We will now hear a message from our guest speaker, David Otto. David Otto is the chair of the Department of Religious Studies and the Crawford Chair of Liberal Arts at Centenary College. He has published extensively in, the areas as di- in areas as diverse as biblical studies, religious education, religion and culture, and he wrote the first travel guide to Shreveport, published last year. He is invited to speak regularly at various venues locally, nationally, and internationally, and take centenary students to study, very, to study religions of northern India every May. His doctorate is from Vanderbilt University, and he received his B.A. from Centenary College. Please welcome David Otto. Good morning. <clears throat> There's much research over the last 50 years that's been done on faith development, and we've come a long way in that 50 years. Over a span of 50 years, we begin to realize that it's more, faith is not just what you believe, but faith has to be what you do with those beliefs in a world and your relationship to a transcendent other. So when we talk about development, we, know, we want to talk about cognitive development. We want to talk about development as the whole human being. And so that's another uh, step forward in terms of this research. So in a very general sense, we can think about faith development in the 21st century as a way of expanding our circles, our sense of self, our sense of other, our sense of world, and the sense of that which is divine. In this way, we might consider faith a lifelong journey of change and meaning-making. Generally, these ways of making meaning have been classified into six different stages, one not necessarily better than the other, and these stages tend to be more fluid than solid. Stage one appears, according to the research, around the age of three. Anybody read Calvin Hobbes? This is stage one faith. This is stage one worldview. The line between fantasy and reality remains blurry, with images that one's encountered charged by emotion. This person is egocentric in nature, assuming that their feelings equate to the feelings of others. The world is episodic in nature, a series of snapshots, if you will, packed with a string of somewhat unrelated images, thoughts, and emotions. The sense of the transcendent stands as one of those strong symbols, usually experienced uh, either in terms of a loving presence or a very foreboding one. The stage usually ends with the onset of concrete thinking, the ability to think in the form of a narrative. So stage two, we'll talk about, um, is, is in many ways a starting point for many people, and for some, that's where they stay. Life is like floating on a river in a, in a tube or a raft, right? You are observing life. Uh, you're making observations, you're telling narrative. But the idea that you actually would ever get off that raft and stand on the banks or the shores of that river doesn't seem to make much sense for a stage two person. 
A stage two person has the representation of a worldview and a religious tradition of generally their family and their community. The key narratives of this journey on stage two called myth um, are taken to be both literal and true. Likewise, symbols are literal and they can only possess one meaning or one dimension. These persons demand reciprocity, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and, and believe that is the idea of justice and fairness. And they can become quite upset when their idea of justice is not practice. Stage two people tend to be uh, judgmental of those that don't share their worldview. They live in a world of us versus them, and the thems aren't very good, and the us's are just fine, thank you. The sense of the transcendent, the divine will reward you if you do what the divine commands, and if you don't, well, you will be punished. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. To the degree that an individual allows conflict with others and the world and even the transcendent other to inform and shape their lives, they may move into what we'll call stage three faith. Stage three faith can emerge in adolescence, but it can also emerge um, throughout one's life. This is a stage of conformity in terms of interpersonal terms, which is often called by the researchers code word, good boy, good girl. You know, what's it mean to be good? You know, and so goodness is how is defined by one's interrelatedness to others. That one wishes to be perceived as good, hopefully, or bad if you're Hitler, I guess, or somebody like that. Um, these are, are based in terms of dominant social values of goodness. Uh, for instance, um, what's it mean to be a good mother? Well, a good mother will be willing to sacrifice her life for her children. How do you know that? Well, I just do. The knowledge of goodness for a stage, third, uh, stage three person of faith tends to be tacit in nature. They know what is true, what it means to be good and right and just, and likewise what it means to be evil and wrong, but how they know or why they know is a bit more difficult to articulate. Authority rests with traditional authority figures who must be obeyed. These authority figures represent laws, and all laws are good and true laws. There can't be any such thing as a false or bad law. Uh, the individual um, in this stage is allowed to construct their own personal narrative, their own personal myth, just as long as it reflects the principles of shared goodness. It incorporates one's sense of past into a hope for a future, a future where one is perceived by others, hopefully, as being good in all aspects. The judgment of others, therefore, is taken quite seriously for stage three folks. Um, and to be judged uh, poorly by others can lead to a sense of self-esteem, uh, desire of isolation, loneliness. Uh, 
One's worth, therefore, is gauged on the values they find in the relationship with others. Most persons, it must be said, according to the research, either do not make it to stage three or spend their lives in stage three. So what, how to get beyond stage three? How, what happens to make somebody you know, enter a stage four perspective? Stage four seems to rise when an individual begins to perceive that they possess the ability to fashion their own sense of self and world. They can self-select values. They can mix and match, pick and choose, make your own world, if you don't mind. Um, This, of course, introduces a new tension. This is the tension of value of the individual versus the value of the community and world. And stage four people constantly negotiate this tension. In this sense, stage four persons can often appear relativistic in nature. And uh, since their worldview can uh, shift uh, daily and they can mix and match ideas, and um, that notion of anything being absolute is absolutely up for question. This stage requires critical thinking skills, as you might imagine, as well as, well as a willingness to move beyond one's comfort zone into other cultures and cultural contexts. But interesting enough, a stage four person generally does this based on stereotypical knowledge rather than an in-depth encounter of any other culture besides their own. Stage four people often describe themselves on a journey or quest, <laughs> looking for meaning and truth. <laughs> Reality is seen to be flexible, and the myths of one's early years perhaps would be considered, oh, naive or a bit non-critical at this point. Likewise, the transcendent other, whatever that may be, must be logical, rational, and reasonable, and engaging in a journey of its own. All right? Um, And that for stage four persons, justice becomes a critical issue. Justice is the opportunity of providing people in the world an opportunity to do just what I'm doing, being on a journey, free to choose, pick and choose, make your reality, find truth. Stage five, if it ever emerges, usually does so by mid-age. Based on events in one's life, one has several realizations. First, life is neither simple nor logical. Truth must be a matter of perspective. Life is porous, messy, and um, interesting all at the same time. A stage five person wants to encounter the richness of cultures in their depth, in the sense to go native, and can obviously and moves freely from one culture to another, and seeks those opportunities to do so in order to broaden their sense of world, their idea of of self, of others, and truth and justice. 
Stage five people seek a world where people can live in harmony and share truths and knowledge to build a greater world. Stage five people uh, don't sense meaning grounded in any particular religion, culture, or ethnicity. And with the seriousness that can arise when one's life is half over, this stage is ready to spend um, its, its energies on causes of cultivating and conserving the possibility of generating meaningful lives of uh, people around the world, including themselves. The strength of this stage comes with something the researchers call the ironic imagination, a capacity to see one's own group in very powerful, meaningful terms, while at the same time recognizing that that truth is relative to their social condition. And that when you change social conditions, realities shift. For a stage five person, the ironic uh, imagination calls them to move into other communities where worldviews are different and to understand and live in those communities until a rich understanding is achieved. Stage five people may live in multiple communities at the same time. This is not an academic affair. This is truly an affair of mind, heart, and soul, and being. It is a life. Uh, The danger in this particular stage lies in the idea of being paralyzed by the moving through all these different communities. The idea that... um, one might finally give up on this idea of of trying to mend humankind and lapse into some type of cynicism, suggesting that the human experiment has somehow gone terribly awry and cannot be fixed through justice or peace. Um, Stage five can appreciate symbols, myths, rituals, its own and others, because it has been, it uh, grasps at the very dense part of what is reality. They also can see the notion of the human family as a real, lived, shared experience. And they see the divisions of the human family based on the inability to properly apprehend the knowledge and experience of others. So if a stage five person doesn't lapse into cynicism, a stage five person can promote justice, peace, and just a world that uh, most of us would like to live in. This stage person, however, remains divided. They live in, a, in both a transformed and an untransformed world. And this marks the stage, the next stage, stage six. Rarely is this stage ever achieved. For a stage six person, the idea that change is not possible, transformation is not possible, is put aside. To know the truth is to do the truth. To know justice is to live justice. To know the good 
is to do the good. There can be no distinction between knowing and doing. This is a false dichotomy. Most cultures experience these rare birds, these stage six people, as culturally subversive in nature, you might imagine. Um, Stage six individuals live, um, experience hardship while advocating social, economic, and political justice and view religion as a mechanism to promote universal justice and peace unless that particular religion is corrupt. So even religion is called into question by a stage six. Most stage six people, rare as they are, are only usually appreciated after death, maybe, or not at all. So what is our challenge in terms of faith development for the 21st century? I think it's pretty straightforward, which is we get, we get to choose a world in which we wish to live, a world of peace and justice, a world rich in diversity, a world in which various forms of knowledge are appreciated, practiced, utilized. Or we live in a world that we believe is damned and we have no business being in it and we will withdraw. So our choice, I think, is a hard one. I don't want to say it's simple. What world do you want to live in? And to what extent are you willing to become the person to make that world possible? Thanks. Thanks.